This podcast is proudly brought to you by Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. And Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world, delivering Australia-wide. Princewinestore.com.au Here's the highest lawmaker in the land, Christian Porter, and it doesn't really sit well with me that these allegations are against him when integrity is the absolute cornerstone of his position. Imagine if the Brittany Higgins matter goes to court and your Attorney-General, the head of all the courts, the head of barristers, the head of lawyers, the head of everything to do with law, the Attorney-General has this black cloud over him. It's confronting. Meghan Markle completely convinced me people believe their own truth. And some of what she said I didn't quite believe, but I think in her mind it was her truth. And I certainly believe she was not exaggerating how desperate she felt. I was a bit offended, I suppose, when you said you were surprised that Caro didn't pick me up because surely that would have been in her repertoire of skill sets. And I do pick you up on a lot of things, as we know. Well, when did you become the grammar guru? Will Eddie Maguire host Footy Classified next Wednesday? I don't know. What? We don't know. We're on know. the show. I really hope he comes back and hosts it, but we're at the moment he's still not quite sure. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. Our little podcast turns 163 episodes today, uh, and that is very exciting, Cara. We have been around a long time. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm reeling, reeling, as I'm sure you are, and I don't know what you're going to say, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and you don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, Bring been... it on, bring it on. I have a feeling we might be on opposite sides of the fence, which... No, um, no I'm sort of all over the, bit all over the place. We are still. talking, of course, about the extraordinary Oprah Winfrey interview with the Sussexes, which went to air as we speak on this podcast last night. We are recording this quite early Tuesday morning, so we have lots to discuss. Lots to discuss, so much on the agenda, Caro. Also, the ongoing turmoil surrounding the Morrison government's handling of the Brittany Higgins complaint... And also the PM's decision again at the time we're recording this podcast to not call for an inquiry into allegations of historical rape against his Attorney General, Christian Porter. Of course, Julie Bishop, last night again, there was so much to watch, Caro. <laughs> there was so much. Was there bumper, was, I'm glad Footy oh, Classified wasn't back. We wouldn't would have, have rated a mention. <laughs> Would have been a very low rating night for you. <laughs> we had Julie Bishop on the ABC 7.30 expressing criticism to the way her former colleagues have handled these issues. And we had, of course, Four Corners, Louise Milligan, back again with uh, a backstory into the woman who made the allegations against Christian Porter, who very sadly and tragically took her own life last year. On a more relaxed note, Caro, you have a book and... You a very have a, topical film that I and you have watched a topical over the film, weekend. Yes, even though I do want to in the next couple of weeks totally unpack with you. Uh, call my agent. Oh yep, finally, Fantastic, finally finished oh, my long run of that. And uh, and I have a recipe which belongs to my great grandmother, so that makes it pretty old. And we'll oh, so much, so many more, so many things to discuss. But first, uh, a big thank you to our sponsors, Red Energy, one hundred percent Australian electricity and gas. And we'll be opening up the cocktail cocktail cabinet again. Thanks to Prince Wine Store, who are here in South Melbourne, but of course can deliver anywhere. Cara, we had a couple of. Bouquets and brickbats, a couple of them actually in the same email. One from Vivian Morris, who sent us a terrific email covering lots and lots of territory. 
But she did say, as much as I enjoy listening to your podcast, and I truly believe you have built a really solid platform for you to discuss very various topics, meaningful topics. She said, last week we briefly mentioned women starting to get back to their regular medical checkups. I wish you had taken the discussion a bit further, says Vivian. What about inviting a doctor to discuss women's health? Vivian, on the agenda, noted uh, we have we try and have a bit of a mix in our podcast as um, as one great editor once said to me around the family table, you've got to have light and shade, Mops, light and shade in, in your newspaper. <laughs> and I think that's what Caro and I try and do here. We do explore a few dark and important topics, but we also have to balance it, don't we, Kaz, with a bit of fun? We do. Well. Having had every single medical checkup that I should have had last year over the last month and feeling very smug and happy about it, I'll just say to everyone, do it. Yes, exactly. I had one of those rare bouquets. I don't often get them these days. Hey, Jules187 via Instagram said, loved your episode as always. Have to agree with Corey. I thought Nicole was the clear winner in the fashion stakes. She, of course, was talking about our um, dissection of the Golden Globes red carpet, which wasn't a red carpet last week, Caro. So, uh, and I think you were a bit shocked. I actually gave Nicole the three Brownlow votes for her beautiful dress. I'm still getting over them playing the, thing, the, the get-off music as the actor who played Prince Charles was making a plea for everyone to care about mental health. And the same thing to Mark Ruffalo when um, he started talking about loving the earth and even his wife was lying going, will you shut up? Hey, Jules, you're looking amazing as always. I've been following you on Instagram. And Corrie, what about Carolyn Hennell via email who loves you, but... Oh, dear. You, would you like? Would, shall I read it, or Mia Culpa, or will you? Well, look, you're beautiful. I've been using this advice, and I don't know if it always follows Carolyn, but thanks for the email. Um, she loves the podcast. She loves your beautiful Queen's English accent. Really? Very pleasing to the ear. You're so eloquent, however, eloquent, however. Your misuse of I... And I, she says. And I really makes me cringe, says Carolyn Hennell. Here's the deal. When you aren't sure of whether to use Caro and me or Caro and I, all you have to do is remove the other person, in this case Caro, and then see if it makes more sense. For example, Caro and I really enjoyed the series The Crown. This is correct, because if you removed Caro, you'd say I, blah, blah, and and so forth. Good advice. I try. So when do you say me? Well... For example, you would say the crown was so interesting to Caro and me because if you took out Caro, the crown was so interesting to me, oh. not to Caro and I. I'm sorry, Carolyn. And, and she Caroline, goes on Caroline. to add, Carolyn, that I she would have thought I would have picked you up on <laughs> That the, the well, not the funniest part. There was nothing funny about your email, Carolyn. I've taken it on board. I'm going to really practice that. I know. I, I know. I don't get grammar right. That's why we had sub editors at the age. They'd always fix your stuff. Oh, our, do our get friend Danny still gets annoyed with me about bought and brought. I mean, uh, I'm, I know bought by, brought bring, but it's just something it's, uh, that. And I and I have and I have just so many missing strings in my vocabulary bow. So I take on board all you've said. Carolyn, but I was I was a bit offended, I suppose, when you said you were surprised that Caro didn't pick me up, because surely that would have been in her repertoire of skill sets. And I do pick you up on a lot of things, as we know. Well, when did you become the grammar guru? Well, I, no, I'm not. Now, um, we were also heard that um, we do occasionally put forward mixed messages, and um, one listener feels that we've been more scathing of the current Prime Minister in this podcast than we have of the current Premier of Victoria, who they believe has done untold immeasurable damage to Victorians in the last 12 months. 
fair point. Um, I think you've had a bit of a crack at Daniel Andrews a few times and I've had lesser of a crack. But um, I think this current issue of these allegations about treatment towards women in Canberra, and I, I start that very small and go very big to these historic allegations against Christian Porter, is such a massive story. But anyway, we well, we'll digress. Talk, we, we'll talk a bit more about that because we do want to kick off today, Caro, talking about what I suppose is the big news story. As, Caro, as Coco, one of my children, said this morning, gosh, it was a big night last night. <laughs> but I think most people would admit whether they're happy to admit or quietly admit that they were tuned to Channel 10 at 7.30 to watch Oprah Winfrey. We had a media blackout. Clementine demanded them because I kept, you know, little feeds kept coming up on my phone from the Age website. She said this, he said that, and Clem said, stop it, Mum, media blackout. It was a good idea. Mm. Yeah, I did the same thing because my advice to anybody who hasn't yet seen or picked up on any of this interview, you and include that includes Miss Jane, who was so busy last night, she didn't get to see it. But uh, Jane. You, you've got to what? Oh, she no, she doesn't have television or something. There's an electronic issue at your house. I can't remember. I was just fudging. Can't that, get Jane. Channel Ten. I mean, <laughs> fair enough. Fox no free to air at all. Carol. She's just moved in. <laughs> Corey. Anyway, what I headline was, <laughs> is this is a massive story. Well, the head no, but the Sub-head headline head is race. Well, the, and, the, and and also race and mental health. Yes, and also a member of the British opposition just overnight has called for a palace inquiry into claims of racism, and they've said it's a corporation, it's a business place, and if somebody in that workforce has felt that, they need to investigate. Why should the royal family be off limits? Because they actually employ hundreds of people, which well, I suppose is a fair point. Let's have a listen to what Megan actually said regarding her unborn child. So we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And who, who is having that conversation with you? What? So, um, there is a conversation. Hold up, hold up. There's Stop several. Right con- now. There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you, with Harry, about how dark your baby is going to be, potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Oprah's face was um, as as bigger. Um, well, well, that was just... Unbel- that was the news story, Caro. Unbelievable television. Um, there is an element of the Christian Porter allegation about this. Harry has gone out of his way to protect the Queen in many ways during that interview and Prince Philip and, and has made it clear that it was neither of the Queen or Prince Philip who made these comments. But like Christian Porter coming forward last week because many in Cabinet were being implicated. Should someone come forward now and say, look, this is damaging, you know, Charles, Camilla, Will, Kate, Anne, I mean, whoever else could have made this comment. I mean, you're immediately thinking the way Harry spoke about his father and his brother, that, you you know, they're the two that immediately come to mind. Um, So many things, Corrie, about that revelation are just horrifying. 
Um, being me, and you know my bugbear, often, you know, you and I talk about this. If someone said something really horrible about my husband to me, I probably wouldn't tell him because why repeat something so terrible? And given how fragile Megan obviously was at that time, I'm sort of surprised that Harry, who must have been really upset by it, passed that on to her. I don't, I'm, I would never do that myself. Um, I'm not, I know that smaller picture, I know the bigger picture is that it was said. But I'm, I'm amazed that he did do that, and I personally wouldn't. And I always say this to you when we talk about something horrible someone said about us, and I always say to you, well, why would someone even tell you that? Anyway, I just wondered if that was the main headline for you out of the whole interview. There were, there were so many headlines. I mean, <laughs> there were so many headlines, Caro. And, I mean, I, look, I, I think that as the story has unfolded overnight – Harry's come out post-interview to say it wasn't the Queen and it wasn't Prince Philip, so he's cleared the air there. And there's no doubt, I mean, that was one of the take-homes from me, the close relationship he has with the Queen, and he and Meghan referred to that several times, including Meghan ringing the Queen a couple of weeks ago when she heard that Prince Philip had been taken to hospital. So they clearly have, the lines of communication are open there. Mm, Wonder how they're going to be after... The interview with Oprah. Well, look, that is interesting too. Did but you see Harry on the front page of The Australian today? No, I haven't seen The Australian. Oh, looks absolutely miserable. Well, look, it's just, it's so, it's so hard, isn't it? Okay, so Megan revealed last night that she had suicidal th- thoughts during her pregnancy and that the palace made no attempt at all to assist with her mental health concerns, which is curious in a way, given that Harry and William in recent years have said that in the past they have had. Um, trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder over their mother's death or grief or depression or whatever it's been, they have sought help and had help. So their mental health with Kate Middleton, um, they're they're sort of they've, they've got the three of them have a real had 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 a real thing. Remember about five years ago of mental health being one of their great causes. Which Why is, could Megan yep. not find somebody in the palace yep. who would bring somebody in? So I'm concerned that there was no. She says there was no attempt to assist with her mental health issue, and that was. A lot of what she said was just, sorry, inaccurate. I mean, I, I don't... You can't a, say that. No, no. It, it's long known that um, under... This this dates back to um, the start of the early in the 20th century that unless you are the son of the direct heir to the throne, you are the direct heir in the first line, that your child is not going to be a prince or princess. Oh, yes. No, that, so, sorry. Sorry. I so thought that, you were talking you know, about mental health. That, no, no. Sorry. sorry there were on. several things she said and she didn't understand what she was going into. She didn't even Google the royal family. Well, I mean, the, I'm the, sorry. one of the WhatsApp groups that Surely. I was involved in last night went absolutely off over that. I'm young, jumping around here, but you, that, are, you don't, but don't the buy young, it. But the younger, the younger members of the WhatsApp group were really horrified that she had done no research whatsoever. I don't and, believe it. And, given, and given that Megan is a, is a child of 21st century technology, you think you'd be Googling royal family and all that. So that's would have known about Princess Diana. And Corrie, the prince and princess thing was just interesting because it was wildly inaccurate and all that protection stuff, just, just wrong. However, you're right. When she spoke about the suicidal thoughts, she did it. And she is an actress, and these are allegations. I mean, the royal family haven't hit back yet in any way. There's been clearly briefing, like the Queen won't be watching it. She's more concerned with the effects of COVID and her husband's health at the moment. But that'll come out, and they might deny that. They might say, we did try to help. But I just felt that that was so believable and so un- unbelievable that they would not in any way try and give her... 
you know... Especially after what's happened to Diana, well, history repeating. Carol, recommend the, an expert, the at big, least. The biggest story for me, I think, because it, it will be the one that has huge ramifications, is Prince Harry's falling out with his father. I, you know, I, I reckon that was, uh, my heart broke when, because he dropped early in the interview that he had spoken to his, spoken to the Queen several times and then about leaving and about moving to LA and then spoken to his father a couple of times until his father stopped taking his calls. So the, so the old journo in me goes, I'm yelling at the television, what do you mean he stopped taking the calls? And then, of course, Oprah, being the consummate interviewer she is, went back to that a little time later and started exploring, what have you had a falling out? And when he talked about his relationship with his father and his brother, my heart broke. And I thought, Charles, you have to be at the centre of this somehow. You ha- there must be some sort of responsibility that you've ta- you, you have to take here because you're the patriarch, you're the leader of the family. You're, you're the only one your boys have. You're the parent in the room. Why, why, why didn't you say to Harry, look, we have to make sure you and Megan and the baby are secure. You know, let's, let's create some sort of, you know, foundation for you or let's work on this together or how are you? Or it just He hasn't spoken to them for months, Caro. Well, I think he said he started talking to his father again. He started taking his calls, but he and Will clearly are still not speaking and they're having space, but time heals all wounds. I do, I did feel through the whole thing that I was watching history repeat itself in so many ways. I mean, you can't compare what he is going through to what Diana went through. For a start, he is in a happy, happy marriage. Um, Diana wasn't. He was not, you know, pushed into this thing as a completely, completely naive teenager. He, I believe, knew what she was walking into, even if she had no idea that whether or not she'd be resilient enough to take it. And clearly she wasn't. And I'm not criticising her for that, but she clearly lacked the strength to cope with what came at her. And a lot of it was absolutely dreadful, I agree. So the question is, but, Cara, but why, I did, why have they done it? That's well, the question. Well, one more thing. I did feel a lot that I was looking at the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Because, you know, you know, the wealthy American giving them the house to live in, you know, there was so many, you know, trying to find a meaning, trying to find a purpose. But the other thing, you know, they have a child and they're going to have another child, a girl, and they won't be having any more just for those who are interested, two children, boy and a girl, pigeon pair. But um, I, I thought, you know, there, there was a sense of that as well, that they have, you know, they haven't ratted on the royal family the way the Duke of Windsor did. But there is... There was an element of the privileged, entitled pair portraying themselves as victims. And I know that there is very much what a lot of what happened was terrible, but there's also a lot of me that look at it and looks at it and says, it's just not going to wash with the Brits at all. I, at you, know all. What, you know what? I don't care and I don't think they care either. This was a really important interview to, to be done. The American, apparently the American numbers, <coughs> more than 17 million people watched it. Yeah. The biggest, second biggest show apart from a sports show over the last year. Um, but there was less sympathy for them in America too. Why they did it? Um, they, they, they wanted. They, they doc- wanted to get the story yeah, out. A document of record. That's what they wanted to create. Yeah. And and Megan and Oprah clarified it at the very beginning. They were not being paid for the interview. There was no... No, but there will be financial recompense in other ways because well, of all well, the deals they, they, they've Well, done. they're keeping the brand alive. With Netflix but, and Spotify, But, but as Harry said at the end, end of the interview, when 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 um, Oprah actually brought up 
up, up the fact that, um, you know, Spotify and Netflix have done the deal with the Sussexes and, you know, she sort of says, why? And he said, all I need is enough money to keep my family secure and protected. Now, if you think about it, Caro, there was a moment there when they were in Canada when the security detail was called back to London and they were in a home where Fleet Street journalists had photographed everybody knew the address and they had no one looking after them. I mean, anybody could have gone and kidnapped the baby or or walked in with a gun. I, I, I get that. I totally get that. And, I, and the other thing, too, about, about Prince Harry, who I have to say has been a favourite royal of mine for a long time because he often calls it as it is. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And I do think there's a bit of his mother in him too, the good, you know, the good side of Diana, the caring side. But he, um, we cannot imagine the trauma that he has gone through as a child. Oh, com- I completely understand. You that. know, now, now you know me. Like I lost my father when I was fourteen, and you know I've sort of or fifteen, whatever I was, and you know I've carried that baggage all my life, and it's kind of in a way defined the person I became. The way his mother died, the way she was hounded, and all of the coverage, the fact that that child was was told that he had to walk behind his mother's coffin at the funeral, the fact that grief was put behind the scenes. And, you know, we have an interpretation of Charles through not just the crown, but I mean through years of reading profiles and things, that he isn't the, the warmest, most highly emotionally attuned person we know. What love and support did he give Harry through those years? Well, so, of he, course, he, he was, sees history he repeating also, himself and, and, and he Charles, wants to say Charles was too a victim of a cold and... Correct, you know, the, repeating the sins of the father. But but there's Harry looking at Meghan who's distraught, seeing history repeat itself, seeing Fleet Street calling out shocking, instant, like terrible headlines. And they showed it last night briefly on Oprah's program, they showed a, a montage of, of the different headlines, which was just terrible. We don't see a lot of them here in Australia. And I think he's just said, well, he says he just said enough. I have to save my family. Yes, And he says he didn't want history repeating itself. No, and I understand all of that too. And I'm just trying to delineate between the privileged, beautiful, wealthy, still very, very wealthy, um, inherited a huge amount of money from one parent, if not the other parent, um, huge capacity of making money. Um, I... I think their time will come again. When she said he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, and I'm thinking about what people have gone through over the last year, and that I and I know in it's only in their sphere that they feel that everyone's pain is relative to other people's pain. But you've just got to be really careful about talking about that. He was carrying the weight of the world of his shoulders. He was his wife was suicidal. I understand that he was dealing with a highly emotional, distraught partner. He was not getting sympathy from his family. Understand all of that completely. But we but, but we made them. You see, we made the problem. They did, as he said at one point. You know, we we I inherited this. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for this life. It was interesting when he said, "I was trapped. My brother's trapped. My father's yes. trapped." But I was happy. I didn't realise I was trapped until I met Megan. So yes. I was sort of happy until I met her, which was interesting the way he said really that. Really interesting. And and then at the end, you know, she said, "Oh, you know, did she say?" Oprah said, "Did she save you?" And he sort of sort of said yes. And Megan interrupted and said, "No, Harry saved us. He saved us all." I mean, there will be cynical people around the world who go, "Oh, for heaven's sake, you know, for heaven's sake, you've gone to live in another beautiful house in another beautiful country in an incredibly wealthy, wonderful." background and you're going to be fine. But, you know, we know that mental health 
affects so, everyone. So I'm not I'm not dissing Megan. I, I I felt she was very convincing, but just a few things. The the title thing completely inaccurate. Um, why did she not leave the house except for twice in four months? Well, because she well she was oh, she was pregnant, and we were told at the time she had terrible morning sickness. I suspect that had something to do with it. She must have left the house more than well, twice. In four I don't months. know. I don't know. She said apart from apart from her her um, obligations. And her, was she really duties. not allowed to go out to lunch with her friends? I don't know, Carol. Well, I mean, we can only take her word. Of... We can ta- only take her word for it. But I think rather than the minutiae, first of all, what I was going should, to say to the Jane royal, before... Should the royal who made the comment put his hand yes, up or her, her hand, hand up? up. Um, what I was going to say to Jane before about not having the Channel 10 uh, at home is that I, I advise anybody who hasn't seen this to watch it in its entirety because the sound bites and the noise and the chatter and the headlines are really distracting. I think you have to actually get into the zone of being there with Oprah and... Um, and, and sort of following the train of thought, I think that's most important that we do that. Do also, you think Carol was so the royal family, Corey? Do you think it's do you think it's irreparable? Oh damage? yeah, we see. I have a theory on this, Carol. I think this was all staged. I think this is all staged. I think even the royal family know about it. Okay, so what happened? What happened during COVID? And and London now is only coming out of a lockdown. There have been no American tourists in England for a year. Now this came back to me. Um, um, in the lead up to this interview, uh, I recalled just before uh, Trudes and I met you and Anna for our walk in Cornwall, Trudy and I had a day, you know, foofing around London before we met you at Paddington Station that night. One of the things we did was we went to the Kensington Palace. There was an exhibition there and every second person in the queue is an American. That's great. The ticket price was like £15 to get in, you know, but everywhere you went, there were American tourists. They love the whole royal thing. Now, Megan and Harry are keeping the royal family alive and well in the US. What happens when lockdown's over and everyone has a vaccination and people can start travelling again? The Americans are going to flock to England. They're going to stand outside Buckingham Palace. They're going to pay money to see Windsor Castle, um, you know, artefacts. Caro, this is, this is, they are part of the firm. Now, whether it's intended or not, they've brought in they've brought in the Americans. What the royal family should have done was, you know, welcomed her with open arms, as Harry said. She, you know, on the Australian tour, that was so interesting. That's when everyone turned back at home. Harry believes they were on the Australian yes, tour. That was a great tour, wasn't it? Well, as the Harry Invictus says, James she's, a, she's such a great well. asset. She's such a great asset. Why didn't they welcome her in? She's such a great asset to the royal family. That tour showed, you know, her charm and her charisma and her intelligence. And yet at home, they clearly turned, as they did with Diana, oh, she's too popular. Is that true or not? Well, that's Harry's perception. So his perception is truth because we have to believe that's how he felt. Corrie, I just think, I wonder if this can ever be fixed, this schism now between Harry and Meghan and the family. And it's hard to see them coming back from this. All the royal family coming back from this towards them. Unless, unless Caro, when Prince, unless Caro, when Prince Charles becomes king, there's a there's a there's a whole new mood, and well, and, it, and he brings them back into the fold. Well, not if if going on the interview that it's more the Queen who's sort of been accepting of them. But what interests me is. The pity, the great pity of what a great catalyst, as my friend Kate mentioned this last night, there's a lot of texting going on, what a great catalyst he could have been for acceptance and change in terms of race in Britain had she stayed. What, what a pity that, you know, they didn't embrace her more. He um, wasn't able to sort of fight back more. I mean, I just think it's an enormous pity that 
that it, she's broken away because I think race has become. I, I know that you know that the the female side of it is big too, but it's it's such a massive massive problem around the world and as a sim, symbol. Even though she's a beautiful multiracial woman, you know, um, mixed race woman, and she's not, you know, the, her colour is not. Look, look she, she's not someone who I think many black people would relate to. But it would have been a wonderful symbol if he had been able to, f- if they had been able I, to fix oh, it. I, and I don't I know agree if they ever you. will now. Well, I totally agree with you. Unless they come out in the next little while and 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 just apologise or quash the rumours of racism in Buckingham Palace, whatever they do, they have to put be one foot, you know, forward immediately, I would suggest, on the PR campaign. What do you think? On that, that one. But I was just Kate going to say, said, Carol, What do you think Kate just, said about the bridesmaids' dresses? Can I just, just before we go off the <laughs> race, just before we go off the race <laughs> issue, because this is important, in the lead up to this, I was watching the drum on the ABC. They had Avia Sanders, who's a law student. I'm not sure from which city, Sydney yes, or Brisbane. Yes, watched that. Yep. And she talked about how she felt about Meghan Markle and what how refreshing she was, a breath of fresh air to come into the royal family because she represents the other. And it's the other, I think, whether the other is a woman, which, of course, we talked a lot about yesterday on International Women's Day, or whether the other is um, a person of colour such as Meghan Markle, most interesting. On the bridesmaids' dresses or the flower girl dresses, so Fleet Street always maintained that Meghan made Kate cry. Last night, Kate said, Meghan said that Kate made her cry. The other way around. And that Kate sent, sent her, her flowers. An, an apology yes. note. But we don't know what it was over. I mean, don't you know oh, those pre-weddings? <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest... It makes my child look fat. I don't know. It, 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 might, it might be trivial, but that was one of the issues that, you know, she kept saying no one ever came in and stuck up for her. Like, members of parliament finally spoke about her appalling treatment. But the palace... And this, this really resonated certainly with my daughter, Rose. Why did the palace never defend her against some of those shocking tabloid headlines? Why didn't they step up? That is the bit that is another example of history repeating itself. You know, not reading the mood and doing the right thing by defending her. Systemic racism. Yeah. The- and Caro, speaking of systemic racism or something systemic within an organisation, let's talk about systemic sexism in, in the federal parliament. This story is just is just going from big to bigger, isn't it? It will not go away. Um, of course, the Morrison government has engaged Kate Jenkins, who you and I both know and we greatly admire, the Sex Discrimination Commissioner, and she's going to lead a review into parliamentary workplace culture. So that's good. Uh, that is a good thing. But uh, Scott Morrison has said, maintains he will not have uh, a, any sort of inquiry into this historical rape claim which hovers over his Attorney General, Christian Porter. Um, and as I said earlier, Julie Bishop came in all guns blazing, um, having a real crack at her former colleagues, Linda Reynolds and Michaelia Cash, for not taking the matter further when they heard about these matters. And the interesting thing was also that she confirmed about this sort of gang of blokes who made it their mission to thwart her political The swinging career. dicks, as yep. Sharman, Sharman Stone said. Is that so, her name? So that, those allegations were made some weeks ago mm. and, and Julie Bishop said, well, yes, they tried, but they failed because I achieved what I wanted to do when I was Deputy PM for more than a decade and I became the Foreign Minister for five years, which was my ambition. So it didn't work. But, you know, you'd, it, it is a pity. It's a pity that she's not still not there. I mean, whatever you think of... Um, 
whatever you think of her, she was an unbelievably smart politician. Oh, she did a I, very good job. I agree. I agree. And hardworking and, as you say, very smart. And she would have been a terrific leader of her party. And I, been a good I just, PM. Why on earth would they be trying to thwart her political ambitions? Was she too ambitious? Did they not like that? I mean, this you're right about this story. And there, there are two threads. I mean, there's two major headlines. There's Brittany Higgins and the unfortunate woman who made the rape allegations against Christian Porter, who we just have to keep saying vehemently denies it. I mean, that press conference was just an extraordinary piece of television as well. Absolutely extraordinary. So many things about that press conference not not didn't wash with me. It, it's hard for me to understand how you wouldn't remember an interstate trip when you were that young, um, that you would only remember vague vignettes. I mean, my first interstate trip is, a, well, I didn't travel interstate. Oh, yes, I did. The first time I travelled interstate, I was 10. I don't know how often he'd travelled interstate, but he was 17. And... Um, Extraordinary that he says he never was even alone with the victim in a room, let alone all the other stuff. And, you know, the details were published over the weekend and they were just horrendous. And it, I still find it, I know that, okay, anyone who makes an allegation would mean that everyone would have to stand down and you've got to be careful about that. But he is the highest lawmaker in the land, Christian Porter. And it doesn't really sit well with me that these allegations are against him when integrity is the absolute cornerstone of his position. Well, imagine if the Brittany Higgins matter goes to court and they bring home the uh, Liberal staffer who allegedly raped her in the minister's office and the court case begins and your Attorney-General, the head of all the courts, the head of barristers, the head of lawyers, the head of everything to do with law... The Attorney General has this black cloud over him. I know. It's just, it's confronting. And the the alleged rapist in the Brittany Higgins case, um, his next place of employ, when the allegations were aired, they, um, he, he lost his job. So, you know, certain certain companies mm. and certain levels of this country seem to hold higher standards than than Canberra. Mm. I mean, even um, the AFL, which has been a shocking boys club over many, many years, seems to take a stronger stand. I mean, they certainly, they allowed um, Jordan Degoe to keep playing despite some allegations against him, the Collingwood footballer, um, indecent assault allegations against him. But something of this seriousness, I think, would be stood down if it was the AFL. And they well, have done clear, it in the past to clear with, it. with footballers. They've, they've, to, clear, to clear your name. And we, they've we, either sacked them or stood them down. Yeah, and we saw this with Brett Kavanagh, who was the um, Republican um, nominee for the Supreme Court position, who then, of course, ended up becoming a Supreme Court judge. But there was an allegation of rape. Uh, put upon him and in fact the victim was still alive. She spoke most eloquently at his hearing, at his Senate hearing, whether or not he should be uh, elevated to the bench. But Brett Kavanagh just kept standing up saying, bring it on, Like, ask me any questions. I'm here for you. I, I, I'll clear my name, anything that I can do. I'll, I'll, I'll shed light on this. I'll speak the truth. I don't understand why Christian Porter is not saying... Look, I welcome an inquiry if the Prime Minister believes that is the appropriate course of action. Now, there are a number of legal people, senior legal people in Australia, who think it is not appropriate to have an inquiry like this. Um, But there are others who do. It's just... So, Cara, just getting back to these two big events of this week, and we have two people 
uh, giving their version of the truth, Meghan Markle and Christian Porter. And of course, we must assume that every you know everybody is is innocent until proven guilty. But how did you feel both of them performed when the cameras were on about telling their story? Did you believe them? Did you believe Christian Porter? Did you believe Meghan Markle? I, I watched the Christian Porter interview uh, press conference. Well, sort of a press conference, wasn't it? I wasn't. <laughs> I, every all through it, I kept thinking, why would she make it up? That's what I kept thinking. I'm not saying he's guilty, but I, I don't know whether he's guilty. But her I name kept... is Kate now. Louise Milligan's told filled yes. that in on Four Corners. Wonderful report. Yeah, it was, and it, it fleshed out what what an unbelievable life she led and the issues she dealt with, and how this event shaped her alleged event. Um, I kept thinking, why would she make it up? I didn't. No, I didn't. Look, to be brutal, it didn't necessarily – he didn't convince me. Meghan Markle completely com- convinced me, you know, that pe- people believe their own truth. And some of what she said I didn't quite believe, but I think in her mind it was her truth. And I certainly believe she, she was not exaggerating how desperate she felt during periods her preg- her, of her pregnancy. And I thought that that was – Oh, it was, it was an unbelievable performance by Meghan well, Markle. Caro, on both stories, watch this space, as they say. Uh, it's been an absolutely huge week. Well, well, Cam- Canberra just, you know, just this is our government. You know, I, I just get so upset that this has been allowed to go on for so long and quite apart from the Christian Porter allegations. The story about Ta- Alan Tudge, is it? The, um, the the minister and the other allegation that Louise Milligan revealed late last year, that was just a dreadful story. You know, the red dress at the parliamentary ball. It, it's just so awful to think that, you know, that the place that we once felt set standards is now, you know, as many columnists have observed over the last week and the Prime Minister's refusal to really do much more about it, has just sunk down so low in everyone's estimation. People might laugh and say, what, you thought politicians were a standard you aspire to? Well, I, I think we did even 10 years ago. I don't think we do now. Well, the other, you know, the, the other concerning thing too is that there is a lot that government has to be doing at the moment. There, there's a lot that it is doing. There's so much on the agenda. There's the uh, national rollout of the vaccination program, which has had its hiccups, which we haven't even discussed today. There's the economy. There's been some good news on job and, and financial and um, stock market fronts. There's the significant report of last week into aged care and the ramifications of that report and what's the government going to do about it. And then today, of course, the government's going to increase its apprentice wage subsidy program for bricklayers, electricians and so on. Not a lot of women in that I have to say, Caro. But anyway, that was just my International Women's Day response to that. But there's a lot on the agenda, yet we're still talking about this. And that that explains how important it is. I don't know about you on this long weekend, but wherever I was, there were conversations about the government, Christian Porter, Brittany well, Higgins. Well, well, the person who has stood tall has been the Australian of the year. I mean, she's the one that Grace. young women, and, and there are a lot of women are struggling around the country because of this. I mean, there's a, been a movement really that some would say has got out of control, led by, um, well, it, well, it began with a, a young woman from previously from the 
private Sydney school, a Sydney private school, Kambala, who made some allegations, and this has spread to private schools around the country and social media campaigns that are spinning people sort of out of control and it's proving very upsetting. But, you know, we're not seeing any leadership from Canberra no. about that. And we are seeing it from, you know, unbelievably, the woman who is the victim of a horrendous sexual crime who has stood tall and maybe been someone that they can reach out to and look to. Well, the men and women of Australia who have uh, who have felt... Uh, that they have been a victim of this sort of thing. We're all behind you in terms of seeking support or um, talking with people. And I just want to really urge listeners, whether this has happened to you or, you know, somebody who is having even a retrospective moment, Lifeline, you can call them 24 hours a day on 131 114. Um, There's the Respect National Helpline, 1800 737 732. And then, of course, Beyond Blue, 1300 224 636. And those links will be on our show notes. Caro, it's time to go on to something a little lighter in our uh, repertoire, and that's the cocktail cabinet. Corrie, I'm very happy to hear via Instagram. Liza, Lisa, tells us that um, she's taken up my recommendation of gin and tonic with a splash, splash of Campari. That was actually came from another friend, Tanya, who told me that it's a fantastic cocktail. She agrees it's delicious. Mind you, Lisa doesn't mind a Campari with a freshly squeezed OJ or an Aperol spritz. She's not fussy. So she's looking for more ideas, Corrie. Well, we may have an idea for you, and it comes in the shape of a wine bottle, Lisa, and this was one of my favourite cocktails of... Of the summer, I know I said last last week I was in love with the gin and tonic, but I also do love an Australian Riesling pre-dinner, just one, maybe sometimes even with ice blocks. But why you not two? Why not post? Well, you and I playing you, <laughs> you and I playing Scrabble the other night knocked off. Um, we did. That we was did. a that was a lovely bottle actually. That was of um, Higgies, I think. Yes, but, it was H E W G I E S. But this segment, of course, is brought to you by theprincewinestore.com.au and you can go and find all of their wonderful lists of Rieslings and other things there. But we did say to Miles and Tony, we want to talk about next week, we want to talk about their recommended Australian Rieslings, their favourite. And I just wanted to mention one in particular that I purchased from Prince Wine Store a couple of weeks ago and have gone back to buy some more. Silkwood Estate Walcott, W-A-L-C-O-T-T. As I said, I bought it a couple of weeks ago. It is a really delicious dry Riesling. Uh, it's, I think it's from South Australia. I should have looked that up. My apologies. Or maybe it's WA, actually. Um, but um, I, I think it's um, I, I think a Riesling is a terrific drop. We've all gone, um, we've all pulled a bit of a twisted Sanchu face these days at the old Sav Blanc. I don't quite know why it's gone out of favour, oh, but it has. It's been completely shunned, thrown <laughs> out of funny? the cocktail cabinet. But do you remember when Riesling went through a terrible stage? I don't know whether it was because we all drank Riesling when we were 16 and 17 and it was sweet and it was from Germany and we hated it. And I've mentioned this before, but a few years ago we had a wine tasting at the bookshop and we called it Give Riesling a Hug. 
Yeah, I remember that, and I, I couldn't get there, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to hug the Riesling, we but We were I hugging it big time, but we had about six different ones over a dinner. It was such a blast of a night, but it introduced us to the drier, uh, you Well, know, Mitchelton Riesling, which is one of the classic Australian Rieslings, we served at our wedding, I remember, and I still believe that is one of the great Rieslings. There's a fabulous, more expensive one that is, comes from a Tasmanian vineyard called Pooley's, P-O-O-L-E-Y, Wonderful Riesling. And you and I Pi- love a pike so far. Absolutely game. brilliant. But remember, we used to just live, we used to just guzzle that Shaw and Smith Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, that was just the drink. Everybody, you know, it, you went away on holidays and that was all you drink. But yep, now. Well, we should also, we should talk one day with the blokes and find out what, why Sav Blanc sort of went on the nose. We'll but do that next week. We will. Right. But anyway, there will be special offers. Please join us next week for the Cocktail Cabinet. And thanks, Prince Wine Store, again for your support. Now, Crush of the Week, which is brought to us by Red Energy, 100% Australian Electricity Gas and Gas. I have a crush, Caro. I'm going to keep this super quick. It's a group crush. My group crush, as we approached the first anniversary of the first COVID-19 lockdown back in March last year, I would like to acknowledge and thank all the thousands upon thousands of healthcare workers who have given their skills and their talents and their time to keep our community safe. I know this sounds a little bit of a goody two-shoes. It does a little bit, but it's, it's, it's well said and certainly true. Well, ex- exactly. I just think if I can't do it in the first anniversary, when am I going to? And I just don't mean doctors and nursing staff and even uh, like my cousin Philippa, who is a physio in one of the major hospitals who kept working through the whole thing, but the cleaners, the support staff, the people who bring uh, you know women in hospital their, or men in hospital their food trays, everybody has just worked above and beyond in what at times was uh, an unsafe environment, let's face it. so um, Still you, going on, Corrie. Still, still going on. So you are all my crush, Caro. Now, BSF. You're giving health workers a hug. Um, yeah, it's time for BSF and thank you again to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Corrie, I'm going to kick off with a book that I'm sure you've got in your shop. Um, I came across it, my sister lent it to me in Yamba, where I, where I was recently. Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. She's an American author, a black American author. This book was short, long listed for the Booker Prize. I think it might, might be even her first novel. An unusual book about two incredibly different women. Um, A young black girl who doesn't really know where she's going in her life and who's working as a nanny for an older woman, a woman about 10, 15 years older, who is incredibly, well, seems to be incredibly successful um, running an unbelievable business, all that kicked off basically because she perfected the art of letter writing. Thank you letters, introductory letters, letters writing to companies saying could she try sample there. It's all that she's an influencer, basically. She's an influencer who comes a cropper. This is a really, it's a good, easy read about race, about women, largely about race. I mean, it is an unbelievable story about race. It sort of opens with an incident in a late night supermarket involving the younger woman who was a babysitter to the wealthier women's children. They are linked by an event in the older woman's past that comes to light pretty soon in the story. Um, She writes it really, really well. Um, The ending is good, not brilliant, but I would really recommend it. 
if you want a good, different read, Such a Fun Age. Have you read it? Is no, it going well? I, no, I haven't, not? but the the three young younger women in my life, in my family life, have all read it and raved about it. So I sell it in the bookshop with that with that behind me that it you know it's a great solid story and I think Kylie Reed is definitely a talent to watch there's no doubt about that definitely and um it, it, it's a great idea and it's it, it's really interesting to read it as an older white woman too I really really enjoyed it a domestic it. drama I think they're now called these days it is a domestic drama it's also about you know moving from New York to the no, but not so much the back blocks, but he, move, he has to move from New York to Philadelphia to get a bigger house. It, it's about it's about a lot of things, but it's re, it's about parenting, really interestingly. There's, I found it I found it fascinating. I saw a really topical film over the weekend that Clem um, suggested Brendan and I watch with her one night over the long weekend. It is so on topic. It's um, a high school teen romance with a strong Me Too bent. It's directed and stars Amy Poehler, of course, um, the comedian co-host of the um, Golden Globes last week. It's a f- it's called what? M- Moxie. Oh. Moxie, M-O-X-I-E. As in Roxy, Foxy. Moxie. It's about um, an anonymous campaign, a newsletter. Um, it also stars in an unbelievably good performance, sinister performance, Patrick Schwarzenegger, who must be the son of Arnold. Um, he looks so like his father and his mother. In fact, um, he's really, really good in it. I thought the acting was fantastic. Amy Poehler is great. Things. It, it's based on a quite a well-known novel. A couple of times you go, well, that jumps the shark a bit, but no, no, it's a really, really good film. I loved it. And funny. I really suggest you watch it. I it's will. really, really good. Now, you've got a recipe. I do. Look at this tiny, tragic little piece of paper. This is called Nanny's Orange Cake. My great-grandmother, Isabella Atkinson, gave this recipe to my mother, with whom she lived for a couple of years when my mother was first married. That's a very long story, but her grandmother came to live with my dad and her. And this orange cake has been handed down. My mother believes that it was actually, because my great-grandmother was born on the Bendigo goldfields, that it actually goes back to then. I'm not so sure, Cara. I'm not sure whether the wood oven would have coped with it. But the recipe is uh, on our show notes. Two cups of self-raising flour, one large cup of sugar, a quarter of a pound of butter. That's how old this is. Sorry, I can't do the translation into metric. Three eggs, the juice of one orange, and a half a cup of water. You just cream it all in the usual way, put it into a sandwich tin and bake it for around 30 minutes, 190 degrees, and then you ice it with the usual butter, grated orange rind, orange juice, icing sugar, sort of, you know. Anyway, the point about this this cake is Jeff Slattery, our good friend of the podcast, told me ages ago that I should mention this cake because he thinks it's a winner as well. And I have resisted it because I thought, well, it's a bit sort of old and scruffy. Maybe there are more modern ways of doing it. Yes, good luck, Miss Jane, trying to put that on the show notes. She's le- leaning over you with her camera. It has little crumbs on it. Look how tragic that is. It's just <laughs> such a tragic little bit of paper. But anyway, we will have this on the show notes. It's a killer of a recipe. It's just brilliant. And I cannot tell you, Carol, how many school lunches over the years this one – 
this one fed children. Uh, we would dress it up for um, birthday parties. It's a real winner. That's Isabella Atkinson's Orange Cake. Thanks, Red Energy. You're powered by Snowy Hydro, leader in renewable energy. Just call 131806 for Real Aussie Energy, Melbourne-based team, and they will help you out. Caro, you are grumpy. But very quickly, quarter of a pound of butter is easy because half a pound is what the butter you buy still. Oh, is it? Yeah, so just cut that in half. Jane might tell us before we finish the show what a quarter of a pound of butter is well, in Matrix. Yeah, well, well, yes, but yes, but it's very easy to do it. Just cut okay. it. Okay, cut it, um, okay. If you're buying the Western Star version. Now, I'm grumpy, Corrie, about men who say they're sex addicts. I'm sorry, but... Who says that? Well, Andrew O'Keefe is the latest, apparently. I read that he's a... I don't know if he said it, but it's been reported that he's a sex addict, as was Michael Douglas. There has been sex addicts over history. I'm sorry, when I hear sex addict, I hear... Probably, maybe a drug addict, maybe an alcoholic, what, maybe fun, a fun narcissist. To be a, fun to be around. <laughs> well, no, what's sex addiction? Look, I, I'm, I'm just, if I hear that, there's usually another addiction that goes with it and it's funny how the sex goes on top of the drinking, the drugs or the narcissism You should be respectful of any addiction, Caroline. Not sex addiction. I did not see that one coming, Jane. Time pardon now. the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Sex addict? I'm sure Andrew O'Keefe has other issues apart from sex addiction. Um, I'm sorry, because I used to quite like him on the telly. But anyway, Corrie, it's time for six quick questions and you're going to kick it off. Will Eddie Maguire host Footy Classified next Wednesday? I don't know. What? We don't know. You're on the show. Haven't you already done your photographs, your PR shots? No. um, Your interviews with New Idea? The plan is that Ed's going to be hosting Wednesday Night Classified. Craig Hutchison, of course, is hosting Monday night. It starts next week. I really hope he comes back and hosts it, but we're at the moment he's still not quite sure. He Look, he's really struggling. He's incredibly flat. Um, we're reading, this is what we've read, after you know losing the Collingwood presidency the way he did. And um, I think there's a bit of um, disillusionment. Um, Eddie's a professional, Carol. He'll be back. Well, he's back doing Millionaire, filming Millionaire, but as we sit here on Tuesday morning, eight days out, we're not sure whether he's hosting or not. Um, up, over to you, Corrie. Um, no, you're asking me a question. I just asked yes, you a question. I'm sorry. How did you celebrate International Women's Day? I played golf with three men. <laughs> and how did you go? Well, n- not great. But but I just I just thought that this was such a uh, affirming thing to do, even though many golf clubs, dare I say, still have a long way to come in welcoming women, having women on their boards, equal representation, all that kind of thing. I, the fact that I was invited by the men, the fact that none of the men batted an eyelid that I was there, the fact that we shared interesting conversations between shots about kids, about uh, work, about lockdown, about Christian Porter, all sorts of things were discussed. And I just felt comfortable being there. And I thought, you know what? We're making progress, Caro. <laughs> Good. Now, Caro, I'm what's... more interested in your handicap, but that's great. I'm glad you did that. What's your favourite autumn vegetable? Eggplant. I mean, if you oh yes, I've rediscovered the eggplant on the barbecue. If you're a vegan, thank heavens for eggplant because there would be so many things you can't have. It is such a staple to any great meal, vegan or non-vegan. Love eggplant, love beans, love a lot of autumn vegetables, but that would be my number one. So versatile, Corrie. Is it unhealthy to envy your married children's appliances? (laughs) What a question! What's happened? What's Checker got that you don't have? Well, it was more Will and Lib's kettle, which just set me into a tears. It's clear. 
So it's just glass, so you can see the bubbles. Oh, Ned's got Ned just Ned had one of those, and so does my brother. Oh, I'm just I'm bewitched by it. They're not that expensive, you know. They heat up really quickly, and it pours. You just don't drop it. There's no drop. And then Charlie and Checker have the Nutribullet, which I'm just in awe of. Oh, and, and the Thermomix, which is a bit clunky on your kitchen Nutribullets are not expensive. And we've oh, got- look, Charlie's given me the full lengths and says, I, ca- I cannot possibly get a pretend one. Or, you know, I'm pretending to be a Nutribullet. I've got to go the full hog. But also Charlie and Checker have this amazing cheese grater. You know, it's about a foot high and it, it never wobbles when you're grating the Parmigiana Reggiana. <laughs> so I just stand in both kitchens at the moment because there's a lot of visiting going on. I stand in their kitchens and I'm just filled with envy. And is it envy? Is, it, is, it, is that a bad feeling? Is it jealousy? No. I think probably what it is is pride. Pride that my children are foodies and they've just sensibly decked themselves out. The headline of that story is that you don't have a neutral bullet. I mean, every home should have one. Oh, come on. Do I have the money for these little appliances? No, clearly my children do. Um, Sorry, they're not expensive. What's your favourite Mad March event? I didn't know we had Mad March. Well, we don't have Mad March, but it's the spring, it's the autumn racing carnival in Sydney. It's the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, a wonderful event back on this year. There's the comedy festival. There's so much going on. Obviously, we've had Moomba, um, the Avalon Air Show, but oh, I must go to that, Caro. There's one event that happens every year that's happening next week that is my favourite Mad March event, and that is March 18, MCG, Richmond v Carlton, unfurling the premiership flag as it happens this year. The opening of the AFL season would be my oh, favourite March event. Um, okay, Corrie, last one. Corrie, um, which song, and I'll, I'll say which Mushroom record song, given Michael Gudinski's yes, untimely, very sad death last week, takes you back to your 15-year-old self? My favourite Mushroom song that takes me back is this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living in the 70s. So, Caro, I'm glad you didn't say my 16 or 17-year-old self because clearly after 1974, 75, 76, this was just at the back of the album pile. It came in, it went out. It spent 16 weeks at the top of the Australian album charts from late Feb 75. And, of course, it was um, Skyhook's first album. Love it, love it, love it. And I love that song, Living in the 70s. I just want to make a mention, and I agree with Alan Howe, um, The Ferrets, Don't Fall in Love. Oh, love it. One of the great Mushroom songs ooh, around that time. Ooh, Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Corrie, what a show. Great to oh, see you. well, lovely to see you. And I would just like, again, to thank our podcast sponsor, Red Energy, and, of course, Prince One Store. You guys are wonderful. Your support is amazing. And, of course, to our potties, thank you again for listening. Don't forget to give us five stars on the iTunes app because although it does make Carol and I feel good, the most important thing is that five stars helps other people find you. You can connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All of those details are on our show notes. And, of course, email us, feedback at dontshootpod.com.au with any messages, brickbats or bouquets. They are all welcome Thank you very much, Miss Jane. Thank you so much for letting us just meander on today. A few important topics. Carol, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. And thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131806 for real Aussie energy and Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world and delivering Australia-wide. Visit princewinestore.com.au.